name again. God, we magnify your name. God, we're thankful for your name. How I love that name. Such a precious name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am grateful to be here today. I am honored at the privilege to deliver the word today. And I just want you to know that I will do my best to step out of the way and allow God to use his word. That's the best thing someone can do is to say, I'm just a mouthpiece just a tool <laughs> such a privilege to be here if you would open your word we're gonna start with Genesis 42 verses 8 and 9 I do not have a lengthy reading today just two verses but if you promise to stay with me I'll let you sit down after that and Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. Verse 9 says, And Joseph remembered the dreams. I'd like to deliver you to you today with the help of the Lord. Dream greater. He had some dreams, and I believe that God wants to do a great work, not only in this city, but in the lives of some people that are here today. I don't know what you're remembering. I don't know what has happened in your life, but I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everyone that is standing in here. And I refuse to let my past destroy my dreams. I refuse to let my past take over for my dreams and destroy my future. I'm not going to let my memories destroy my dreams. I believe that God wants to liberate some people today. So if you would put your Bible down and lift your hand and ask God to speak to you, to speak to us, and lift your praises to God one more time. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We know that your anointing is here. Your presence is already anointed and your word is already anointed. And I ask you, O oh God, that you would anoint me Hallelujah, God, I ask you right now that I could be able to deliver your word and anoint us today as hearers that we can receive your word and have the strength to not only be hearers but doers and to be able to be changed by your very presence. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you all the praise. God bless you. You can be seated. We read in Genesis 42 and previous chapters of the story of a man named Joseph. He had a dream. And we read of brothers that only had memories. And we read of a father who guarded the past, guarded the present because of the past, the anguish of the past. But our dreams have to be greater than our memories. Memories are very important. They serve as learning experiences. They help us to reminisce about relationships and about friendships. They keep those relationships alive and they keep those friendships fresh. But our dreams must be greater than our memories. Not greater in number, but greater in intensity and greater in purpose. 
greater in meaning. The Word of God instructs us that we are not to forget certain things. And one of those things is simply Calvary. We must never forget the price that was paid to bring salvation to us. Yes, John 3.16 is emphatically true. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But I want to tell you, there's another side to this equation that I haven't quite figured out yet. And it is in Galatians 2.20 where Paul says, He loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul says this is not about him dying for the world. That price seems to be worth it. This is not about him dying for the United States, for I can see the logic in that equation. It's not even about him dying for everyone in Texas, because I can understand that. But when I get Jesus and what he did on one side, and I get myself on the other side, I don't understand that equation. I cannot see the logic in that mathematical equation. It does not make sense to me. I just don't understand sometimes how privileged I am to know that Jesus Christ reached for me. He reached for that one lost sheep. You see, I was that one. The 99 that were in the fold at that time, they, they just temporarily did not catch his attention. They seemed to just for a moment lose a little importance in his mind. See, he always understands the importance of one because he was eaten up. He was driven and he reached for the one, that one that was lost and I was that one. And you were that one. I don't want to forget what Jesus has done for me. I don't want to forget how far He has brought me. Lest pride enter into our hearts, there are some things that we must never forget. Why is it, church, that the new convert sometimes seems to out-worship the rest of us? Why is it that those who have just found the Lord, they are so excited about it, they can't tell enough people, they're talking to the trees, they're trying to convert the parting meters, they're, they're, they're trying to get the statue in the park to experience the Holy Ghost, they're telling everybody. Why is it? I think it's just because it's still fresh in their mind. The memory of it is so soon. I don't think we ought to be getting worse in our praise or, or to graduate to, to pew sitters. I don't think we should just graduate to word people. I think the word is important, but I don't ever want to get away from worshiping God. Why? Because the Lord has brought me from a mighty long way. Come on, somebody in this room today, if it had not been for the Lord, you would have been in an insane asylum. If it had not been for the Lord, some of you might have been in the graveyard. But here you are in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you a little story about John. John was this, and this is not clinical, but he was this half-crazy guy, and he ended up being okay by the end of it. But we knew him a little bit because his life kind of crossed paths with our church. The pastor went before the county judge, and this, this happened when I was a, a young person. And John had some family connection with some people in our church, and John was headed to prison pastor went before the judge and said, "If you just give them to us for a week. And this happened back when they would kind of allow that to happen sometimes. But he said, give them to us for a week, and if nothing changes, we'll give them back to you, and you can send them up to the pen. So that Wednesday night, here comes John walking in after the pastor, and he was dressed in scraggly clothes and long hippie hair down to his waist and big old scruffy beard. And uh, he came walking in, and, and, and the pastor pointed him to the front row, and he sat down. It was a Wednesday night Bible study and just sitting on the front row. And when it was over, John went up to the altar and started worshiping and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Sunday morning came, and, and we started wondering where John was and looking around, and lo and behold, there he was right there on the front row again, but he looked different. He had himself a nice suit on, all his hair got cut off and clean shaven. This was a different person than what we had seen three days before. But there he was, and it didn't matter if we were singing songs or taking up offering or giving announcements, but John was on his feet worshiping, saying, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. There are some things that we have to never forget. And John had it soon in his memory where he was and where he is now. And John just about tore up the place trying to get in the choir. And the choir director started running out of excuses why he shouldn't or couldn't. So he finally let up and let John join the choir. And they stuck him back there on the back row of the tenor section. And John didn't do much singing. He just kind of screamed the words. He was definitely one of those early 80s rappers, a little bit before his time. Just, just kind of said all the words. Didn't, didn't know the tune. It just kind of came out as he wanted it to come out. Just kind of talked through the songs. And there came a night. We were having a Sheaves for Christ concert, and all the, the dignitaries would come, and, and some people call them politicians, but we were taught to call them dignitaries, and, and they were filling up the middle section, and we had it uh, all planned out, all reserved, and the service was going on, and the choir got up, and the big introduction happened with all the fanfare, welcome to the Sheaves for Christ concert, and we hope you're going to be blessed here today, and we got about two or three songs into it, and it was all formal and starchy, and, and, and we just didn't know what we should do. We didn't know where we should go. We didn't know if we should just get real wild because all the city officials were there, the mayor was there, and the fire marshal was there, and the choir just didn't know if we should rear back and have church or just perform. Well, John was back there in the back row, and you could just hear him say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And somewhere in the middle of that concert, he had just had enough of it. He had decided that this is not a concert this is a worship opportunity. And John jumped up on the back row, jumped up on a chair and said, Pastor, I got something to say. And you know something? I thank God for pastors. He gives them wisdom in crucial times. And when there is a guy on the fourth row of a choir back there standing and screaming and you're trying to welcome dignitaries, the best thing you can do sometimes is just to ignore him you got to pretend like he doesn't exist. So that's exactly what happened. But John wouldn't give up. Pastor kept moving forward, and John just kept right on going, Woo, Pastor! I've got something to say. So Pastor finally turned around and looked at him and said, Yes, John, what is it? And he turned back around and said, This is, this is one of our drug addicts. This is, this is one that, that the Lord has saved recently. You know, kind of give him the, the preface, the, the pre-testimony setup. This is one of our wigged-out saints. He's not like the, the rest of us normal ones. He's acting this way because he came from a mighty long way. And he said, John, what is it? And he said, Pastor, all I've got to say is there's a new man walking in my shoes. And all of a sudden, he started running around the church. Hey, friend, the cat was out of the bag. We just blew our cover. The concert was over because somebody realized, wait a minute, I'm going to have to take an opportunity to praise God for what I must not forget. The Bible warns us that we must never forget certain things. We must never forget how far the Lord has brought us. And it tells us about things that we must remember, but it majors still in the future. 
In fact, it describes to us that we are pilgrims and strangers. There is a lot behind us, but there is so much in front of us. I don't believe that the greatest days of the church are in our past. I don't believe that the greatest days of spiritual awakenings are behind us. I do believe that our memories, while strong and true, should not keep us from our dreams. I believe that our dreams have to be greater than our memories. In Genesis, we see Jacob had 12 sons, and Joseph was that special one born in his elderly years to his wife, Rachel, for whom Jacob had worked so long. The Bible says that they made him a coat of many colors, and because of what happened in Joseph's life, his brothers became jealous. But they were not jealous over his coat, which we often like to hear about in Sunday school. And they were not jealous over his status. They were not jealous that he was the son of Rachel. The Bible says that when Joseph was sent to check on his brothers, they did not say, here comes the guy with the awesome wardrobe. They did not say, here comes the guy with the coat that we wish we had. They did not say, here comes the son of Rachel and we don't like him. They didn't say, here comes our younger brother and he is spoiled rotten. They said, here comes that dreamer. See, they could have looked past the coat, but they couldn't look past his dreams. They could have looked past his status in the family, but they could not look past his dreams. They could have looked past everything else, but the dreams is what caused them to stumble. And the Bible says that they would have killed him had not Reuben intervened. And so they threw him in a pit and bloodied his coat and sold him into a band of traders headed for Egypt. And in Egypt, guess what happens? We, we know the story. He was sold into Potiphar's house, but he was blessed of God because you can't keep a dreamer down. You can sell him. You can talk about him. You can stab him in the back. You, you can say he's super spiritual. You can say, oh, he just wants to be better than the rest of us. But you know what? You are not going to keep a dreamer down. God, would you give us some people that will move away from their memories? Give us some people that's going to walk away from our past and say, I don't care what happened yesterday. I'm reaching for my tomorrow. I refuse to let my past destroy my future. Our dreams have to be greater than our memories. He's blessed, the Bible says, in Potiphar's house. He's quickly elevated, and he becomes a principal servant. And somebody else notices that he's climbing the ladder pretty fast. It's Potiphar's wife. We'll just call her Potty for short. Potty had her eye on old Joseph. Something's different about this boy. Something's different about this, this Hebrew boy. Something strangely unique about this slave. There's something different about his walk. There's, there's a twinkle in his eye. He's, he's driven by a dream. He's not like just the average slave that we got off the auction block. He is driven by a dream. He might go through some valleys, but he's walking with a dream. He might be sold into slavery, but he's walking with a dream. He may not have everything or anything go his way, but he's walking with a dream. He says, I've got a lot of things that I could remember, but I'm going to remember my dreams. Joseph refused to let his dreams die. There are those around you, church, that do not like your dreams. They're not going to dream with you, and they will quickly forget you and your dreams. Oh, yeah, tell us about all your plans. Tell us about all the things that God told you he's going to do with your life. Who do you think you are? They don't like your dream. It produces jealousy in them. But Joseph wouldn't let his dream die. 
He said, wait a minute, I am more in this world than just a slave. I'm more than just a piece of meat. I believe that God has plans for me. I believe that God has orders for me. Isn't it amazing that this dreamer is thrown into prison and the Bible tells us that while he's there, Pharaoh starts to have problems with, with two of his cabinet members, the butler and the baker, and, and they get thrown into prison and this butler and baker begin having dreams. Isn't it amazing? A dreamer comes to town and people start dreaming. Everybody starts dreaming when a dreamer gets into prison. God knows what he's doing, friend. The Bible says that Joseph interpreted the dreams of those two. One of them lost his head and the other one went back to Pharaoh's house. Joseph said, when you get there, remember me. And after a few years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And he calls all of his cabinet together and says, I've been troubled by about this, this dream that I had. He says, there's seven fat cows and there's seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows consume the seven fat cows and they don't get any bigger. They stay the same thing. And there's seven fat ears of corn and seven skinny ears of corn. And the seven skinny ears consume the seven fat ears of corn and yet they are not changed at all. Can anybody tell me what this means? And none of his wise men could figure it out. But someone in the back of the room says, I... I know somebody. I know a dreamer. And he can tell you what it means. So they go over and they get Joseph. And Joseph stands before Pharaoh and says, this is what the Lord is telling you in this dream. And he tells them about the famine uh, that's, that's going to be coming, but there's going to be years of plenty and years of famine. And, and guess what happens? The dreamer moves out of the prison and into the palace. And this dreamer is now put in charge of all the storehouses of Egypt. He's not just the principal servant in a lowly member of the government, but now he is working for the president himself. And in the first year of the famine, eight years later, Jacob sends the rest of his sons with money to buy food, and they are ushered into the presence of Joseph, and, and they did not know who he was. It had been almost 20 years, but the dream was still alive. Not just two months, not just two years or even ten years, but 20 years. Friend, let me say, don't let time rob you of the dreams that God has put in your life. Whatever God told you is going to happen, He is able to bring it to pass. Somebody says, preacher, I don't know. You don't know the mistakes that I've made, and I've come to tell you if God said it, then He can bring it to pass. He is able to do a good work in you. He that is able to author it is capable of finishing it. They are ushered into the presence of Joseph, and Joseph asks them, do you have a father? Do you have a younger brother? Because he knows who they are, and he is remembering these dreams. And they answer him, yes, we have a father. Yes, we have a younger brother, and there's no clue in their head. And Joseph says, when those boys are ushered into his presence, the Bible emphatically says that he remembered the dreams. And if you think about it, that is such a powerful statement. Because Joseph is standing there remembering the dreams and he sends them home with food and their money, but he keeps one of the brothers. He says, I'm not going to let him go until you, you go home and bring your younger brother back to meet me. Jacob would not let Benjamin go for a whole year. Jacob refused to let Benjamin go. He said, I lost one son. I refuse to lose another. Let me tell you just for a moment about the dangers of living in your past. Let me tell you what living with your memories will do. Let me tell you how they will rob you of your future. Joseph's brothers, they lived in constant guilt 
because they lived in the past. They could never disconnect from the past. Their father lived in continual fear of the present, afraid that the past was going to repeat itself. And all the while, the dream is still alive. All the while, God said what he said, it is still going to come to pass. It's incredible to me to understand that when those boys paraded in before Joseph, the Bible tells us that he remembered something. How did he remember the dreams? Why didn't he remember the moment that they rose up against him with bloodthirsty eyes? Why didn't he remember the curses? Why didn't he remember their punches? Why didn't he remember their murderous and envious ways? Why didn't he remember the pit? Why didn't he remember them selling him into slavery? Why didn't he remember them lying to his dad? Why didn't he remember Potiphar's wife accusing him? Why did he not remember the prison? Those memories would have flooded back to any one of us. When those brothers paraded in, I know myself, I would have remembered every comment, every slap, Every hurt, let me tell you, some of you right now while I'm preaching, you can't get the victory that you might need today because somebody said something to you years ago and you're still not over it. Listen, we have an opportunity here to move forward into our future or die in our past. The choice is ours. I don't care how long ago it was, two weeks or two years. I don't care what they said, but today, you better forget it. I know we like to shout sometimes, but today we're going to dig a little. Somebody needs to come up and realize and say, God, I need a healing in my mind. My heart is good. I speak in tongues. I worship God, but I need a healing in my mind. I need you to take care of my past because it's robbing me of my future. So how did Joseph remember the dreams and forget all those other things. Well, he had two sons already by this name. And guess what the name of his first one was? Manasseh, which means God has helped me to forget. No wonder when those boys walked in, he didn't remember the pit. No wonder he didn't remember their murderous ways. It's no wonder that he didn't remember them selling him into a prison. He had been helped to forget certain things. But he did not forget his dreams. He never forgot what God had told him was going to take place. What did it mean? It meant that Joseph stood before his brothers saying, I don't remember the hurt. I don't remember the prison. I don't remember the lies. I don't live there anymore. I'm not going to build my house in that area anymore. Joseph gets out of prison, but he never even pays a visit back to Potiphar's house. I don't know about you, but if I was in prison and I got pulled out and I got stuck in the White House, I know what I would do. I would requisition old Marine One. That's that helicopter. Say, you got to pick me up on the South Lawn. I've got a little trip to make. And I would have known the address 20 years later. I would have known every turn, every street to go down. I would know exactly that little old farm where I would be going to. It used to be so huge, but it's not big anymore because I'm in Pharaoh's house. Did you ever notice that Joseph never did pull up in Potiphar's driveway and say, hey, we've got a score to settle. Bring that old woman out here. 
That's not where he was. Not here. I know we are so godly and perfect, you'd never try to settle a score. Chances are some of you are still sitting on some scorecards that are never going to be tallied. You're still sitting on scorecards that are never going to change. Still holding scores against people that will never be changed. I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost that God is calling us to forget some things. Hey friend, I don't care what the devil has tried to convince you of. Today, it's going to be over. I don't care what has happened in your past. Today, it's over. Joseph said, God has helped me to forget. I don't know about you, but I feel something right now. I know that we're all in the, here with the Holy Ghost, most of us, maybe not as many of us as we, we would think. Here we are sitting in our nice clothes, got our hair piled up all nicely. We came in shaking hands. How do you do? Doing good. Smiles on. How's it going? Oh, it's great. It's great. But the stats say, let me tell you, the stats say that one-third of this congregation has experienced some kind of abuse in their life. And you're hiding behind glasses, and you're hiding behind smiles, and you're hiding behind the person in front of you, and you don't want anybody to know about it. Maybe your, your spouse doesn't know about it. Maybe your parents, your friends, pastor doesn't know about it. Nobody knows about it. And you're here and you're, you're looking at me and, and we're worshiping and praising God and, 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 and there are some things that you haven't had the ability to forget. Today, it can be over. I don't care if you believe it or not. Today, God is going to do a healing in this place. I know that we have to be all perfect sometimes and, and, and we're all nice in our suits, but, but there is some stuff that we've been carrying around for far too long, for a lifetime, and today God is going to help you to forget it. God is going to help you dream greater. Come on, friend, it's over. God's going to wipe it clean. God's just going to do away with it. He's going to clear it. Somebody needs to receive that word in the Holy Ghost today. You slipped in here and you thought we were going to have a nice little service and, and, and patty cake, clap our hands and walk out of here for some great fellowship. And, that, and that's still going to happen. But God has stepped in and your healing is in this place. Somebody lift your hands right now and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. God, I don't want to go any further. Somebody needs to forget something in this place today. God, God, I know that you're going to help us to forget. I know that you're going to allow us to dream greater. Friend, I've met some saints of God that can't worship because of something that happened in the camp service 20 years ago or something that somebody said five years ago. And I want to tell you that this has happened and it's over. The devil is telling you to hold on to that thing. He's telling you that you've got to protect yourself, but you can be able to forget it. You're going to be able to walk away from it. You might not be able to walk away from the memory, but the power of it will be gone. The Lord Lord is going to heal somebody today. Right now, somebody pray, deliver us, God. Heal us by your power. Set us free, Jesus. I refuse to walk out of here the same way that I walked in. Some of you have friends or know people that you've not said boo to because of what was said a few years ago or even a few days. And today the Lord wants to deliver every one of us. He wants to make a healing balm flow across this sanctuary and lift us up to be closer to him. See, God has helped me to forget. I don't remember the pit. 
I don't remember what you're talking about, Reuben. If I knew it all, I could come out there and take somebody by the hand and, and, and lead you to this altar, but you're going to have to have enough faith to believe that this word is for you or it's not going to do you any good. We need to forgive. We need to forget. We need to allow our dreams to be greater. Listen to me, 80% of that one-third that have been abused, 80% of that has happened by a family member. So you're probably sitting in here, and it didn't just happen last week, but it's probably something you've dealt with all your life, and I know exactly what I'm talking about. Those, those brothers threw you in a pit, and you don't want to say anything about it. We're not going to pass the mic around and, and give someone an opportunity to point a finger or be accusatory, but you know what? God is going to help you have a Manasseh in your life. He is here to turn some things around. Listen now, you ask a burn doctor why they have to go in every three to four years on a severely burned individual and redo the skin grafts. It's because the scars never stop contracting. That's why that mouth, when they fix it, about every three or four years, they have to go in and it starts drawing again. That's why those eye sockets begin to start drawing again because the scars never stop contracting and you just think, well, I'll just live with the scars. Just hide them and, and everything is going to be okay. No, they're going to keep pulling on you, friend. They're going to keep pulling on your spirit and before long, you're not on the front row anymore and, and they just keep pulling. The next thing you know, you're not involved in ladies' ministries. You're not involved in youth events. You're not involved in going to camp meeting anymore or doing those things that you used to always do. You know why? Because those scars are are going to keep pulling on you. They're dragging the life out of you. And I'll tell you what needs to happen today. The blood of Jesus can move right in and fill your soul and those scars can be healed. Come on, that's the physical, but I'm telling you spiritual scars can be healed. If he brought Lazarus out of a grave, why can't he heal our minds? If he can heal a blinded eye, why can't he heal our spirits? Let me tell you something, if you can't leave your memories today, if you can't walk away from that past, I don't care what it is, if you don't let God heal that, you're going to live with it the rest of your life, with paralyzing fear. The rest of your life, you will, never be, you, you will never be what God wants you to be. And I think I've got Bible for that. Jacob said, you're not letting, I'm not letting Benjamin go. You're not getting him. I lost one, son. You're not getting this one. Jacob said, I've got a bloody coat in the closet, and I refuse to wash it because I've got to remind myself. I've got to keep those memories. I'm not going to let you take it to the cleaners. I'm never going to forget what happened to Joseph. So you're not getting Benjamin. And although Jacob's life depended on him letting Benjamin go, he wouldn't let him go. Your spiritual life depends on you letting some things go and you're still holding on to it, wondering why you are dying from the inside out, wondering why you're starving to death while you're holding on to a memory. Don't take that bloody coat. I'm never going to forget it. You just leave it in that closet. It's going to remind me every day of what happened. I've got to protect myself. I've got some walls to build. Oh yeah, and while you're building it, you're going to block out all the help you could ever need. 
Somebody's refusing to let go of a bloody coat and God is trying so desperately to heal you of something. And today your spiritual life depends on you letting go of a bloody coat. And I'm coming to a close, but I want to tell you a couple more things. It doesn't matter who you are, where your station is in life, young person, older person, it doesn't matter who it's for. You will never be able to see the opportunities that God has for you, the ones right in front of you because you're staring in your rearview mirror. Remembering a bloody coat, holding on to an old hurt, fostering an old bitterness. Listen, the Bible says that when Jacob finally let those boys go, you know the story, they walked into the presence of Joseph and, and Joseph had a banquet prepared for everybody. And there on the table, he had them arranged from the oldest to the youngest. When they walked into that room and they saw the name tags on the table, they, 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 they could have realized what had happened. They did know something. They said, hey, whoever did this, they've, they've done their homework because he knows the, the order of, of us brothers, who's the oldest and who's the youngest and everyone in between. Something in their mind should have said, wait a minute, there's only one guy that's alive that knows this information and they knew he was alive. They should have woken up right there saying, wait a minute, something's going on. This has to be Joseph. The only fellow that knows that is that guy that we sold to the caravan, but they refused to see it. They never saw it because they were holding on to the memories. How could God use me today, preacher? Look what I've done. Look at the mistakes that I've made. Look at all the scars that I have, especially the ones that I've even caused myself. Look at my past, what's happened in my life. I don't have any idea what you have come to this place with. But today the table is spread. And guess what? There is a name tag with your name on it. There is a spot for you, and you're never going to see it unless you let go of those memories. You say, I'm not going to remember the pit. I'm not going to remember the hurts, but I'm going to remember the dreams. And some of us are holding on to past disappointments that can never be changed. You can live a hundred years, and you can never go back and change it. But the only thing that you can do today is to come to an altar and say, Lord, I need your help to forget it. Let me tell you what else it does. It prevents you from having faith for right now. After Joseph puts them at their places and he puts the workers out of the room, you know the story jumps up and he pulls the crown off and he pulls off the, the royal robes and says, hey, I'm Joseph! They have a glad reunion. They start weeping together and rejoicing. And, and some of them may be a little worried or a little fearful, but, but they have a glad reunion. The Bible says he sends those boys back to get their father, Jacob. And, and when they get back home to their father's house and see Jacob, they say, Daddy, guess what? Joseph is alive. We saw him. We hugged him. We talked the man that's been tricking us and giving us the grain and sending us back with our money. That man has been playing tricks on us, asking us about our father and about our brother. It's Joseph. What does Jacob say? He says, uh-uh. Quit playing with my mind. It can't be Joseph. I've got a bloody coat back in the closet. He's dead. And all the time, Joseph was alive. But Jacob 
would rather believe a lie while the truth was standing right in front of him. The musicians would come. God is reaching to someone right now. God is saying there are some memories that you've been struggling to let go of. And yet I have placed a dream in your life. I have given you a plan and a purpose. If you would just give me the memories. Let me wipe the slate clean. Let me cause you to forget the pit and the hurt and the pain and the scars. I can heal. And your dreams can be greater. I don't know what lie the devil has told you. I don't know what lie he has convinced you of, friend. That thing that he says you can never go back on. You can never have your dreams back. You made one drastic error and it's all over now. I don't know what lie is causing you to hold on to a bloody coat, but I know that there is truth in this place today. The truth is that you have a God that is still alive. The truth is that he has a sea called forgetfulness. We don't have that sea, but he does. He throws all of our sins into a sea called forgetfulness. He chooses to forget. You hearing me now? The devil has convinced you that your future is over, that you might as well just cash in your chips now. You might as well just forget about it. Somebody that, that you had confidence in just, just messed you up, and you might as well just forget about serving God. If this is the way that God's people act, then I'm out of here. But, but, but while you sit here, you are believing a lie while the truth is speaking. Even though the truth is here, the truth is that the Lord loves you. He has a healing for you. He still has dreams for you. He still has a purpose for your life. And there's still a work that he wants you to do. I know the devil will tell you that you're all washed up and it's over. But it isn't over. Jesus still has the power to heal. Jesus still has the power to forgive. He still has the power to save. And he can help you forget. Would you stand right now and begin to give God praise? Somebody begin to love him right now. There is a healing being dispensed in this place right now. Women that walked in this place with baggage that keeps them from finding liberty. Men that came here today with emotional scars. God is here to heal. Why don't you just bring it to the altar and say, God, I'm giving you my scorecard. I'm giving you all my pain. God, I'm giving you my scars. I can't move to my future while I'm standing in my past. I can't move to my dreams while I'm holding on to memories. This altar has been open. But if you need an official invitation, would you come now? Hallelujah. I want to speak against a thought that you're going to have right now. A thought that you're, you're, you're going to begin to think to yourself. You're going to say, somebody's going to think that something's bad has happened to me. Somebody's going to think that I'm backslid and that I don't love God. I speak against that thought right now. In the name of Jesus, you can stay there in your seat and you can walk out with a smile plastered on your face. And I think I can deal with it. I'll just live with it from now on. I can just live with the scars. You can walk out with the same bloody coat that you walked in with but it's going to keep you from your dreams. You're not only going to live in your memories, but you're going to die with them too. But oh, Joseph showed us the power of living with our dreams. Listen to me, the prophet said to Israel, he said, when the Lord found you, let me remind you what he found. He found an ear and a piece of a leg. 
The enemy had destroyed everything else and all that was found was a hind leg and a piece of an ear. But the Lord took that mess and he made a great nation out of it. Do you hear me? The devil has thrown you to the corner of the room and he says that you are leftovers. He's thrown you to the side saying all that's left is leftovers. But let me tell you what God can do with leftovers. Let me remind you what he can do with five loaves and two fishes. Let me remind you what he can do with the jawbone of a donkey. That's all that's left. Let me remind you what he can do with a little cruise of oil and a little meal in the bottom of the barrel. Let me remind you what he can do with 300 men and a torch and a pitcher. Let me tell you what God can do with a small strap and a smooth stone. Don't let the devil keep you in that seat, friend. Don't let the devil tell you that right now is all that is happening. But, oh God, there is a dream that you have for me. And there's dreams that you've given me. I've just got to let go of the memories. This deliverance is for me. I'm getting my freedom today. I'm making a step towards my dream today. God will help me to forget. Hallelujah. Would you seek him right now?